Hello and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. We're your hosts and PGA golf coaches, Piers Ward and Andy Proudman. Each week we're going to share with you our 20 plus years of coaching experience to bring you top tips, the latest information and trends, along with some of the world's best in the golf industry to help you play the best golf of your life. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it and help you take charge of your game. This is episode 27 of the Me and My Golf podcast and we have another fantastic guest with us today. We've got Vice President of Global Product at TaylorMade Golf. Now, Brian Bazell is really at the forefront of product creation. So when it comes to the latest technology and the latest equipment, Brian's right up there with it. Sort of talking and dealing with some of the best players in the world, relaying that information back to the the product and the creation team to come up with these fantastic products. Now, last year we had Brian on talking about the new M3 and M4 and obviously the introduction of Twistface and uh, how revolutionary that was in the market. Now, recently, Telemade have brought out the new M5 and M6 range. Now, what we wanted to do was get Brian back on the show and really understand the differences, really, the improvements that they've made on the M3 and M4 and some of the interest, interesting technology that they have come out in this new range. So uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions from you guys about the new product and, you know, is it marketing and, you know, what really is the difference and what, how can it help you? What are the improvements on last year? So Brian's going to answer all those questions for us, explain the technology and really the advances in technology they're really discovering here at um, TaylorMade. So uh, hope you enjoy this one. Let's welcome Brian to the show. So Brian, thank you uh, for giving your time up again. It's, we know this time of year is always a busy time of year for you. And uh, 12 months ago, we sat down with you over at the Kingdom and talked about this amazing breakthrough technology twist face, um, which was revolutionary at the time. Um, let's start with talking about twist face and, and, and how that's been over the last 12 months. You know, is it, has, it, has it reached your expectations? What are the players saying? What are the, what are the the customer saying, has it been successful? Uh, yeah, no, it's great. One, one, happy to be back and talking to you guys again. Um, Twistface has been an incredible success. I mean, I think, you know, people from around the world, golfers from around the world have, have definitely benefited from the technology. And I think, you know, it was revolutionary to your point. I think it still is. Um, and, you know, we don't get to measure everybody's shots out there uh, on, a, on you know, the weekend warriors, but, we do get to measure the, the tour players, and we see that the tour players have increased their accuracy year on year, some more than others. Uh, Jason Day, in particular, was has been uh, you know it was been a huge success for him. I, you know, a year prior, you know, he said, "Gosh, if I can just hit one more fairway or keep it between the tree lines one more time, you know, it can make a big difference." And you know, he made it to the winner's circle a couple more a couple times where he yeah. hadn't a year prior, and I, I do think it had something to do with it. So. Um, you know, Twist Face, like I said, when we introduced it, it will continue to be in, in every driver we make going forward. And now, actually, we're incorporated into, into fairways and hybrids, and um, I know we'll get into some of yeah. that. But, but yes, it's, it's been validated. Uh, our retailers have been very happy, and consumers, more importantly, have been happy. Brilliant. Yeah, so, I mean, the, just talking about these gains again as well, I mean, you know, for the... We're talking about for the, for the top players, yes, of course, we know it's going to win them more money, but what can the amateurs, what do you think the amateurs have 
seen by this? I mean, does it mean they can hit more greens? What What do you think the amateur golfers will have seen from this twist face technology? You know, the amateurs, I think they notice it on the on the one or two shots when they hit it really off center and they look up and the, and the ball is actually kind of in play or potentially in the fairway. And that's where I see anecdotally where people notice it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for us, you know, in the equipment industry, if you go and you test a, a product that doesn't have twist face, you can also notice it. You hit that high toe shot and it knuckles and goes left. Um, for those of us that have been playing a, a product with twist face, you'll know right away that one doesn't have it. Yeah. And so it, it's, you know, you can't see it on every shot, but you can see it on those on those those misses especially, and I think that's what we hear from from stories repeatedly. So I, gosh, you know, I can't believe it. It's so incredibly straight. I hit this one shot on the toe or the heel, and and I look up and it's it's just not where I expected. It's actually much much better. Yeah, because it's hard, isn't it? Because every shot is unique. Every every one shot is unique. There's no way of replicating that shot on the next shot. You know, right. to that to that exact nth degree. But you know, you just look at the consistency, don't you? you look at the patterns. You know, okay, well actually. And I think you're right, sometimes when you hit a shot and you know what it felt like and then you're looking up expecting it to go one way and it actually doesn't go as far that way, I suppose that's kind of where the, the feedback, a lot of the feedback you Yeah, get. I mean the science part of it is, is it's a statistics based uh, you know, um, analysis of shots over the phase given different swing conditions and so on and so forth and we're trying to increase the improvement of that product by a couple of percentage points and you know, those percentage points over time will make a difference. And so, you know, we, we're bullish about those breakthroughs, um, but in real time, in real life, you know, it, it does. You can really only equate it to a, a couple shots unless you're going to go do, you know, your own analytics to see your percentages over time, and you'll see the benefit. But in real life, on the golf course, it may be that one shot. Mm. Definitely. And I think, I mean, technology over the years has massively changed, certainly over the last 10 to 15 years. But it's getting harder and harder now to sort of, to advance on the technology because we're right at the sort of legal limit, aren't we, in terms of what a golf club can give us. And this is what's fascinating about the new M5 and M6 range that, I mean, we were lucky enough to, to be at the, at the launch and sort of, um, and already get a glimpse of what it's all about. And it took a little bit of time to get our heads around it and sort of understand it. But can we talk a little bit about sort of, about the new range and, and how it came about? Because I think a lot of the golfers listening to this maybe won't understand what or how the current drivers go out there. You, mm. you know, we'll talk about the speed lottery, which was, I think that was a really good way of putting it across. Talk about how really you, you came up to the decision of making the, the, the new range and what the technology is all about. Yeah, and yeah, I think you know it's interesting. You, even uh, when you just said that, you said, "Hey, yeah, we're up against the limits," you know, uh, and all these these rules and regulations. And the reality is that in some cases we're not, and that was sort of the spirit of this new technology in the M5 and M6 drivers, the speed injections. Some are, and some drivers are, and some drivers aren't, even across the same driver line. Um, and so each time a rule goes into place, you know, sometimes that uh, allows us to focus even deeper into how do we really maximize our performance given the, the regulations that we have. And in this particular case, the discovery stage was, okay, this, this uh, idea that all drivers are at the limit we know from, a, again, looking at the data, that's not the case. Everybody's drivers across the industry have variation. There's just so many variables coming together in these what are complicated metal woods, uh, multi-material metal woods, um, that to ensure that each one is just right up to that, that maximum speed is nearly impossible. 
There's just simple, simply variation within the manufacturing process. So, you know, of course, for tour players, you might 100% inspect ahead and cherry pick the one out of there and, and give it to, to Tiger Woods. Why wouldn't you, right? But we said, you know, what if we could actually cherry pick ahead for every golfer out there and what would they gain from that? Well, the gains could be quite different depending on what you have in your bag or what you choose, chose off the rack and kind of the idea mm -hmm. of the speed lottery. You know, yeah. when you go in and you're choosing a club, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're going blind, right? You, you, you can't physically measure each one of those heads. So you may get lucky, you may not. You may get fit for one that was great and get the one that was ordered and it doesn't feel quite the same. And so we set out to, to you know, uh, limit those variations, find a technology that we can maximize speed on every driver we make. And of course, I'd be happy to go through how we do that, yeah, um, yeah, but uh, that was the spirit of you know, how this technology was born. Yeah, and I think some of the, some of the guys listening to this won't, like as you mentioned, they're going into a store or wherever it is and buying these drivers and him and you know, Dave and Steve go and buy a driver, they could both have slightly variants bounces in the head so one of them could be slightly faster <coughs> than the other and I think this is basically what you guys have done with the new technology is you've brought that consistency in terms of look we're going to we want to make sure that everybody no matter where they're going they're going to go in and be able to get the, the fastest driver that's possible. Yeah I mean part of it is that because we know there's variation you know you and this is that goes for every company you have to kind of set the target back a little bit to ensure that you can account for it so that you don't have non-conforming product and so um, this, you know, part of this was to reduce the variation so you can push it faster. And when we do that in these clubs, their sweet spots end up getting bigger as well. Um, the faces have to be thinner. They have to be, you know, incredibly fast, illegally fast at some stage before we inject them and tune them right to the legal limit. So we get this double benefit. You get the fact that each one's going to be even faster than it was before and the area of speed on the face is actually better. Yeah. So basically, obviously, you know, just just hitting upon it there. So you're basically making these heads illegal and then tuning them back, aren't you? So just as as simple as possible, how how do you do this? What what's what's the process? Well, first of all, we had to kind of break through some of our um, traditional uh, rules of thumb to 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 say, okay, we're gonna the inverted cone, which has been on the back of our faces since the 300 series. We we optimize it for each head. Well, we're gonna have to break through that and optimize it in a different way because. We want to, we have to make them pass, pass that limit. We have to make the faces so thin uh, and durable at that, that um, thickness to get a speed that would, at that point, if you went out and put it in the market, would be deemed illegal um, so that we can truncate it. We can basically inject it, and not just in one place, but in a heel and toe. It's like uh, dials on, on our um, microphones that we have here, right? Yeah. That we're trying to get to to work, we need to dial each one of the edges of the face in so that we can tune across the face because the regulation changed a few years ago where it's, you know, now we have to abide across the entire face. Um, so anyway, that's, that's kind of the spirit of, of the, the process, each individual head being measured and tuned. Um, it's something that really nobody's doing. Absolutely. Yeah, so you've got basically, for the guys listening to this, basically there's a screw in the heel, a screw in the toe and everyone of it is then measured and then it's individually injected to make sure that they're brought up to that legal limit and as fast as possible basically. Yeah, we, we, we created an, uh, an algorithm, proprietary algorithm, you know, we measure the head, it goes to the cloud, it says that particular head needs 
you know, 0.3 grams of resin in the toe and 0.5 grams of resin in the heel to bring that individual head right back to the limit. The next head comes on the line, it goes, it gets measured, goes up, you know, to the cloud. It says this one needs X or Y, and um, that's that's how that new manufacturing process works. So obviously, when you when you're going through this process, you obviously have to test these clubs, and obviously you you have some advisory staff who do this, but you have some obviously amateur golfers. So how how many people are testing these clubs in going through this process to find out whether it works or not? Well, we test in, in so many different ways, you know, both from simulation, robot tests, player tests, player tests from all different levels, and then ultimately the best players in the world. Um, you know, so we go through, you know, there's thousands of data points. Um, some can be just, you know, Andy, you were saying, hey, when I hit it, I didn't have a track man when I first hit yeah. it, but I can tell there's something different here. Um, and, you know, it, that's not something we would put on a spreadsheet. But that's still a test, you know, yeah. it's still kind of a checkpoint. You know, again, people at the end of the day, they're not out on the golf course with a launch monitor in their pocket. And um, so the, the club has to perform on all levels, not just making it measurably better, which is an initiative of ours, every product we make. Um, it has to be simply better in the eyes of consumers. Yeah, and I think that, that was something that I've only experienced it once on the driving range at the moment. I'm looking forward to testing it out on the track, man. But again, you this was based just on feel. It was the sound and the feel. And I know you guys, when we were over at the Kingdom doing some filming, the amount of guys who were out there constantly testing the sound and the feel. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big deal just to get that element right. Performance is massive, but feel to, to golfers is, is key, isn't it? Another, sound is feel. Exactly. And so there's tactile touch, you know, but a lot of it in golf is auditory. Yeah. Um, and so we have scientists here that we, you know, each one of these, you can imagine each one of these heads is like a speaker that you're trying to tune. Um, and when you have tracks going through it and different materials and um, we now, you know, we're educated enough to know kind of what the frequency needs to be and, and the duration of it to, in that range where we think golfers are going to really love it because sound is subjective, feel is subjective. Yeah. But there are targets. We do, we do have, there is science behind it. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned the tracks there. Just so let us let's move on to that. So how with the track system in the back? How are there any any major changes there? Yeah. So in the M5 driver in particular, we have an uh, an inverted T track. So what is an inverted T track? Right. You have basically a track that's going from the leading edge of the sole to the back part of the sole. So a really long front to back track that allows you to get to change your launch conditions. High, higher launch, lower launch. Further back you go, higher launch, more spin. Further forward you go, a lower launch, lower spin. Um, and then heel to toe and the, on the back skirt, essentially you have the ability to move the weight to the heel side of the driver or the toe side. Heel side's more draw, toe side's more fade, you know, up to 25 yards there. Um, there's, guys, there's over 1,700 combinations. Have you tried them all? <laughs> I'll start now. On the next podcast, a year from now, I'll finish. Yeah. I'll, t I'll tell you what was interesting, actually. We did a, a video with uh, Bo Hostler over at the Kingdom not so long ago, and I think he'd been fitted for a, um, I think it was an M5, I'm not sure, but he's, he's warming up, hitting a few shots with his driver, and he's hitting it all over the place. He's hitting it right, left, hooking it, you know, all these shots. And then after about 10 balls, he looks at the driver and says, no wonder I'm hitting everywhere. This is not my driver. If someone had given him the wrong driver that he hadn't been fit for, sure. he goes and get his driver. He gets up there, first one, you know, and, he, and then he just, he's just sort of striping them out there. Yep. And that really, that just shows as well the importance and, the, and how, 
how much detail with these fine tune, how much impact it actually has on the ball flight. When somebody like that is hitting shots and the balls are flying everywhere, all of a sudden he gets his driver in the bag and he's just. Thinking about the value of that, right? What would you pay for that? Exactly. I mean, obviously the M5's a, a few dollars more than the M6, but that's exactly what you're paying for, exactly. And he's one of the best players in the world. And a lot of amateur golfers say, hey, I'm not consistent enough. You know, I don't really need that or whatever. Actually, it's quite different. They're more consistent than they think. Yeah. Um, and and there maybe their face angle changes a little bit more, but but um, being able to to better fit a golf club for that golfer, I mean, this sport is hard enough as it is. Yeah. You need to start off with the right tools. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for us as, as coaches, something like M5 is is great for us because it complements changes. So we can, you know, we can move those weights around. To, to help change the ball flights along with the work that we're doing with the golf swing. But then in a couple of months later, when they're, they're getting those changes bed in, we can actually just move the settings again. So we can actually, the, the driver grows with your changes, which is fantastic for us as coaches. No, no doubt, that value in that from an instructor's perspective, I love that. Yeah. So one of the questions that I'm sure the listeners are, are gonna be thinking about, well, this is obviously faster, it's, it's more speed. What would you say, the, what can the, the average guy out there look to gain from an increase in speed? What, would you say is an average and what is the largest that you've seen in the testing so far in terms of a gain? Well, so we, you know, I expect most golfers, they're going to pick up, you know, at least one to two miles an hour speed. I mean, that's conservative. I've seen guys here where they would been felt like they've had a great driver and had upwards almost 10 miles an hour. But, and I, I have to caveat that that was between the combination of the driver and the new golf ball, which yeah. is actually garnering some more speed as well. Um, but, you know, you're going to, depending on where you're coming from or, you know, how optimized you are, I expect you're going to get more speed. You know, do I expect everybody's going to get 10 miles an hour? No. But are you going to get a couple miles an hour? Are you going to get five yards? Yeah, more, more than not. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? No, it's not, you know, it's very difficult to gain 20 yards off the tee unless you've had a really bad fit for the driver. Correct. But so if you've got a good fit, then certainly you could see, seem to gain you know, and five yards is five yards. It's you know, it's we're all we're all we'd all like a little bit more, wouldn't we? And I know when I've been for a fitting, you want to get the maximum out of the driver. The driver is such an important part. And listening to the guys at the uh, the photo shoot, Jason Day specifically saying, look, this game is offense. You know, we want to go out there and now mm -hmm. attack the golf course. So if they can gain extra yards off the tee, but obviously hit it a little straighter as well, then obviously that's going to give them an advantage on the field. You just play that out, right? You, if you're able to hit one less club into a uh, par four, the ability for you to get it close to the hole with that club that's, that's shorter, and the ability for you to make the putt because you're gonna, chances are you're gonna be closer to the hole, it just, you know, it's a trickle down effect. It's a, you know, an avalanche of benefits if you just get a couple yards. It is, it is interesting, isn't it, that we, obviously last year with, with M3, it was, it was about being more accurate, which is obviously, as very you important. say, it's very, very important. But when people go for a fitting, generally is even if they go there saying they want to be more accurate they come out of it or halfway through it's like hang on a bit is it further does it go further yeah i think it's we we see it from a from a, from our world from a coaching world people rarely come to us and say they want to hit the ball further they come to us wanting to hit it straighter but then at some point if we say oh you can hit it further as well i say oh i will take that it's interesting <laughs> that you've actually taken that step with them by them it's different isn't it i know from the few fitters that yeah. we speak to they say that the guys go for distance and they come to us for, for keeping it on the fairway. <laughs> yeah. They, they want the consistency from us, really. Yeah. I mean, I echo that. I mean, in the, in the, and from my world, um, you do the research, and, and even in irons, it's interesting, right? A lot of people say, 
I want an iron that's just more forgiving or at more accurate. Um, I need more consistency. You show them a couple extra yards. I'm telling you, they're running. They're running out of the shop with the, the with the product. Yeah. So we like to keep it, um, you know, in mind in, in both cases. I'll, I'll take the fairy woods for example. Just a quick transition. You know, yeah, we yeah, have. Yeah. That was the next, you know, next question. Okay, good, good. <laughs> so you know, the M5 uh, is a now a titanium body, carbon fiber. It's got 65 grams of steel weight in the bottom. All that harvested mass. Um, we're trying to pick up distance in, in those fairy woods, but. We had choices to make, you know, uh, as it relates to both M5 and M6, where we could have had big claims of seven more yards or eight more yards in that product, and we chose to to put the the package, the loft in that product as well, to a point where we're going to pick up, uh, you know, a yard or two yards of peak trajectory, and a yard or two in distance. And so the balance of those two things we feel is a better golf club. Does that? You know, now do, we can't make the big, massive claim of distance, but is it a better golf club? Yes, it is, because you get a little bit more distance, you get a little bit more height, and uh, and so when it comes back to yes, golfers want distance, they absolutely do, and I think you know uh, more times than not, we'll sell more golf clubs <coughs> if we can provide that. At the same time, we need to be cognizant of what's a better golf club, what's going to ultimately let golfers shoot better scores and have more fun. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just that, that's a perfect example of where we make a product decision uh, to, to balance the variables. But you did make the rocket three with that. We did make, <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. The 14 degree rocket three, and if you get a chance to hit this one, man, it's it's, it's it, it, Pierce likes it, Pierce, Pierce wants it in his bag. It's definitely going in yeah. my bag, and I'm gonna have to have a five wood as well now as a result. But yeah, drive <laughs> with the three wood. It's the too long, it's too long, Pierce. But but it was interesting, we were at the shoot and we were talking to Rory about it. He was like saying, This thing goes over 300 yards for him, and yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, he's, he's the longest out there pretty much, but um, yeah, it was a uh, it's a good club, it's a good club. So quickly talking about the fairway wood, I mean a lot of people would, would think, well, why didn't you launch it with the with the driver last year? But the fairway mm. wood with the twist face, yep. it was it has to be it's been slightly different, hasn't it? There's a reason that it's took a little bit of time to get to get into it now, but obviously you've got it in the rescue and the and the fairway metal now. So how's that process been and, and how's it differed to the driver? Well, yeah, I think uh, this, the, what we're about to launch with M5 and M6 and having the twist face in there and why we didn't do it before came to light. I mean, we we had to study it to the degree that we understand it so that what, whatever we put in there is not just one and done. You know, you, you we want to put validated, real technology in that works better. And we discover that, you know, in fairy woods and in, in rescues, the problem still exists. Low heel shots, high toe shots, the misses are, are more dramatic than they should be. And it requires a twist, but the reality is the Fairway wood is not the same animal as a driver. It's much smaller. The inertia is half, you know, the stability of the head is less. So when you hit it off center, those heads want to twist even more. They want to rotate. Um, and so the twist that we actually put in the fairway wood and in the rescues is a bit bigger, a bit larger. Um, we also have to balance that with the way the club looks. So, you know, if you get too far uh, in terms of some of those lines, it could negatively affect the way people perform. And so we spent the time, you know, it took another year to get it, get it right. Uh, we call it a degree, one and a half degree twist um, in those fairways and rescues, but ultimately they're dramatically straighter on miss hits. Yeah. You combo that with the distance that we're providing and we're really hitting what most golfers want. You know, they want to hit it far, they want to hit it straighter, just like we've been talking about. Um, and I think this is going to make a big difference for people. Brilliant. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting that I mean, obviously, I, I tried that the other day, and it was it was again you're trying to gauge what it might do on a, on an off centre hit, and then for me personally, it's a, the toe strike. If I get the toe strike with a three wood in it, I know it's going left. So I was almost trying to hit it out of the toe. Mm-hmm. And I thought that actually did, but it, it felt really solid, which is which is good. It sounds a little different, or felt a little different, whichever one it was. But I think it's an interesting factor because. I know, for instance, myself and Andy, we don't use the three wood a lot, do we? It's generally the driver and the two iron. They're the yeah. two clubs. But yeah, the driver's so easy to hit, isn't exactly. it? You know, and I think when we've spoken to Ram about it, he just loves hitting the driver. He's Absolutely. like, well, I just want to hit the driver because it's so easy and he, he feels he's better with the driver than hitting like a, a fairway metal. And I think that's certainly, yeah. and I think because of the, maybe because we miss it more off the center pierce, there's less, yeah, there's less, <laughs> that's there's less twisted in the face. <laughs> I think that's probably why we like to use it. But yeah, certainly I think for, for, from our side of things, it's, it's, a, it's a safer safer option. Well, it'll, it'll be a thing for, I know Jason Day, obviously he struggled with three, but doesn't he, with, with oh, the fairway Yes, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see what his thoughts are on it. Well, a couple things. I love like John, for example, his stats actually do um, support what you just said. He yeah. does hit his driver straighter than his fairway would. And I think actually the incorporation of twist face might help him out a little yeah. bit this next year. Um, Jason Day in particular, he one of the clubs when we, we introduced M5 and M6 to him that he was so incredibly excited to hit and test was the M6 fairway wood. Because like you said, the fairway wood, the, the three wood has been one of those things that has been always a struggle for him. And yet it's an important golf club for a tour player because they use it off the tee quite a bit. Um, so the M6 fairway in particular being larger, 185 cc's, uh, than what we've made previously in M2s and M4s, um, was right up his alley. It was exactly what he was looking for. It's uh, you know being a little bit bigger, having a little bit larger face, um, provides a little bit more forgiveness, especially off a tee. Um, and so that was one of the first clubs he wanted to go hit. And he was, it didn't disappoint. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so just a couple more questions then. The, obviously when Twistface comes out, the best players in the world will look at it and we all remember the video is like, okay, this is, it's, it's, this is, this is you know, what, what's going on? Jason was saying, you know, is this, what, what? It can't be this twisted. <laughs> so do you listen to those guys at all when it comes to implementing Twistface for the second time round? And, and obviously what input do they give and? Yeah, Pierce, great question. We do. Um, we did get you know, some feedback, uh, like from Tiger in particular and DJ, where you know, they, the top line of the driver, because it's twisted, we typically had a recipe of, okay, the, the head has to have a certain degree of face angle openness to make it look square to most of the, the better players. And as we incorporated twist face, we tried to, to get that right. Um, but for some, like DJ and Tiger, they felt like it, the, there was a little bit more curvature to the, to the visible top line of the driver. And so we worked over this last year bringing prototypes out to them, showing them, going back and forth to get what looks like a little bit of a straighter heel to toe line on top of the driver, yet still incorporating twist face. And so uh, we were able to do that with the contrast of our colors. Um, and uh, that was a you know, direct feedback from, from those players that now everybody really will benefit from because we think if it's good for them in things like this, it'll be good for everybody. Yeah, and it's amazing what you can do just by mess, you know, changing the colors and things like that. And ultimately how it looks is really important for the guys, isn't it? I know for me, if, I'm, if I've got a driver, I, I cannot have it, I'd rather have it slightly open than slightly closed. It's got to sit right for me to have the confidence that, yeah. you know, just, just off the tee. Well, I think everybody, honestly, of all levels, whether they're consciously looking at it or not, like that as well. They yeah. all shouldn't have it. So, like, we have a D-type product, yeah. 
where we make it look square. Um, we play with those lines a bit, even though the face is more closed. And by doing it, it gives us an ability to give that player more draw bias, but yet give them the look that they like. Yeah. So, so that, that people will be listening to that now and go, well, hang on a bit. How can it be draw biased if it's not looking left, for instance? And what, what do you, how do you do that? Then? So that's, that's sort of the trick, right? The trick of illusion. the mind or the eye. It's an illusion a little yeah. bit, right? So when you stare down at the top of a D-type driver, in this case, M6 D-type or M4 D-type, you, you look at it and, and you're looking at the top line and you're saying, well, that looks square, um, but because of the black portion of the face, we've actually closed it more. Um, so the player will try to square it back up when they try to hit the ball based on the line they see, not what they see on the black face. And so that's where half of our draw bias comes in those clubs. I mean, 10 of the 20 yards that we get in the bias of that driver is coming from just that visual. That's, the, that, that's the, the trick that you play. Illusionists they are, indeed. Illusionists <laughs> they are. So for the guys listening to this, then Brian, um, M5, M6, they're like, okay, well, look, where do I start? Do I do I look down the M5 route? Do I look down the M, M6 route? What would you say to, to, to advise those guys who are thinking of going to try these out? Well, I tell everybody, um, when you're interested in buying a new golf club, um, have fun with it. You know, you have the opportunity to hit them. There's so many great facilities and people to talk to and, you know, go out and, and test them. You know, when it comes to M5 and M6 from a, you know, as you look at the drivers, they look pretty similar from the top. Um, they both now provide incredible forgiveness. And really your distinguishing factor between the two is more about the adjustability in the product. And we, I think this podcast of any have been the, you know, have revealed the benefits of being able to, to uh, or the value in, in having the adjustability. So, but that's, that's a personal preference. You know, there's a little bit of sound and feel differences between the two drivers as well, and you may prefer one more than the other. Um, but we always say, hey, put it to the test. You know, there's so many diagnostic tools out there too at your, at your service, at your fingertips. You know, if you're gonna uh, spend $500 of your hard-earned money you know, go make, make sure it's better. Make I mean, sure. that's what we set out to, to do, and, and um, we want you to have the value of, of your hard-earned money in, yeah. in the product you buy. And that's the fitters, you know, ultimately, like you said, there's loads of great places to go and get fitted and, mm -hmm. and measured, so the fitter's job is to, to give you the options and to really allow you to make the decision based on what, what he's gonna give you and what the numbers are gonna say, and it, it all does come down to the person, because all three of us are gonna like different things, like different sounds, feels, perform differently, swing differently, so there's just there's no there's no I suppose there's no one way that you need to go. If you're this type of golfer, you need to go here. It's very much a well look, try it out, see what you think, and, and then you make the decision. Yeah, I think there's a couple particulars where we have the D type, you know, where it's specific. Okay, you fight a slice that you should definitely just go directly there. Or we have an M5 um, tour driver, 435, smaller head. Um, if you have to ask kind of who's that for, then it's probably not for you, kind of thing. You know, it's definitely for the better player, but otherwise. You know, we feel like the, the fitting process is part art and part science. You know, there's the numbers on the launch monitor and it's what you feel and what you're looking for. And those have, if you can get them both to, to line up, you're gonna have something special. Superb, yeah. superb. So normally, we, we, towards the end of the podcast, we like to do the ultimate golfer. We did this last year with, you know, driver, irons, you know, wedge game and putting, but we did that last year with you. So who was the ultimate driver at the photo shoot? Who was the guy, because there was a lot of, there was a lot of competition going on. There was, The yes. distance and a bit of accuracy. Yeah. Remember Rory and DJ really going at it hammer and <laughs> yeah. But for you, who was the best with the driver? Okay, I'm gonna come at this from a little bit of left field Ooh, because 
um, you know, when it came down to like the driving contest we had, it was DJ and Rory, you know, just battling it out, and it was awesome. I mean, we're we're seeing numbers that are, are incredible, and what were those numbers? We're we we're getting up close to 190, you know, in ball speeds, yeah. and they were carrying it essentially over 340 yards, carrying it. Okay. I think so, DJ beat beat Rory by two yards. I think 343, and I think Rory was 341, and it was. Uh, yeah, it was exciting to watch that one. Exactly, but I'm gonna go at a different way because I think, and I've been watching John Rahm for the last couple of years, and his uh, ball speed and distance numbers, his ball speeds typically have been in the 177, 179, you know, for the tour, uh, for his year. Um, when, he, when he put the, the new driver in play, um, you know, he was getting it up to 181, 182, 183, and then the new golf ball, 184, 185, he was getting excited. He got up to 186. Wow. And like, He's never seen numbers like that on a launch monitor before. So much so that he had to run over to tell DJ how fast he, <laughs> he had gotten. And to which, of course, DJ yeah. made sure he knew he was still going to be faster yeah. than that. <laughs> and that's exciting to a player like John, who just loves hitting the driver. And we were there, obviously. And he was just excited to hit it. And we actually took him on in a long drive contest, actually. Um, we won't tell you the result of that. It goes on YouTube very soon. But um, just to see him get excited about gaining a few extra mile an hour, he, we know how important it is for him and how important how important his driving is to him, you know, mm. for, for, for performance. And uh, I'm sure if he can be a little bit longer, then, you know, he's going to be even better this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it, was, it was exciting speaking to the players after they'd fit, uh, tested it all. And, you know, speaking to Rory about, you know, you let DJ be, what's, what's, what's wrong with you? And he was like, and he was, he, you know, he was smiling and he was, he was having a little laugh about it. But he ultimately, deep down, you were like, yeah, he wanted to beat him. And DJ only got him on the last shot, I think, wasn't he it? Did, so yeah. it was like, yeah. uh, and DJ was, he came to us, he was all calm and said, yeah, yeah I knew I'd beat him. <laughs> it's great. It, it's actually, it's actually fascinating watching all those golfers, you know, all five of them together, talking about the product and seeing it for the first time. And actually, just you know, like kids in a sweet shop, he was he was tremendous. So, fair play to you guys at TaylorMade for doing that because it's really really cool. Okay, one last question then, Brian, before we finish. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're you're a busy guy, busy guy today. Um, M5 or M6? What are you What are you going to go with? Uh, I'm going M5. M5. Yeah, I'm going to go M5. I mean, I, I like having all the bells and whistles, and. Uh, but I have, I'm going to test them all. I'll okay. play them all. You I haven't tested yet. You haven't been no, I mean, I, I've been testing it, of course, and I, I know, you know, I like, but I want to get them on the golf course. Yeah. We have to hold back and not be able to go out and, you oh, know, yeah. uh, expose them all out of the golf course. So I'm looking forward to playing more rounds and, and um, kicking the tires on all of them. Brilliant. Awesome. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank okay. you so much. Yeah, thanks for your time, Brian. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Me and My Golf podcast. We hope you enjoyed that and got some value from that. And if you did, then please share that episode with a friend and if you can do us a real big favor and head over to itunes and leave us a review it really does help this podcast grow and reach more golfers and our mission is to help as many golfers around the world as we can play some better golf so it really would mean a lot to us one question that we get asked a lot is andy pierce how can we get coaching from you well now you can have myself and pierce as your very own personal online golf coach and we've created a, a platform that infuses our coaching experience and philosophy into a fantastic community that's packed full of weekly videos that will really help transform your golf. We've got coaching plans on specific areas in the game. We have a shot fixer section, which really enables you to fix your faults fast so you can see results immediately on the golf course. And we really want to build a, a tribe of golfers that are committed to 
playing the best golf of their lives. And like I say now, this is the closest thing that you're going to experience to get me and Pierce on the lesson tee with you. And we'd love to have you part of this fantastic community. So head over to meandmygolf.com and look, have a go. We have a 14-day free trial that you can take advantage of, see what it's like. And if it fits right for you, then fantastic. And we'll hope to see you there. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Me and My Golf podcast.